day it seemed the world was about to end Dignity, as though it wouldn't last half a year Yesterday disaster waited around the bend Well, my friend, spring is here Back in business and ain't it grand everyone welcome to episode 60 of vague zone i'm thomas and i'm daniel and today we're talking about the 1990 film dick tracy we are currently doing a possible full franchise run of the teenage mutant ninja turtle series from the 90s yeah. and so this was my choice as the detour so i've chosen yeah the the warren Beatty action film dick tracy so daniel would you like to read us the imdb synopsis sure the comic strip detective finds his life vastly complicated when Breathless Mahoney makes advances towards him while he is trying to battle a big boy Caprice's united mob. Cool. Nice. Stars Warren Beatty, Madonna, and Al Pacino. I guess yes. I'll ask you, Daniel, uh, what did you think of Dick Tracy? <laughs> uh, so I saw this when I was a kid, and I remember really enjoying it as a kid. Um, I think I might have had... Uh, a hat and a trench coat and i i certainly remember jumping off of the bed with uh, -oh. uh some sort of you know either large jacket or trench coat um uh, you know flowing behind me no this um, does add to the daniel Tracy. lore <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and i i, I like i i, I kind of forgot this movie existed like every once in a while it pops to mem my memory oh yeah dick tracy was a thing like i should revisit that and so i'm really glad you proposed it for this yeah um i also remember when i was a kid i had a dick tracy toy it wasn't dick tracy it was the character lips who was <laughs> in this movie for like two minutes <laughs> i don't know why i had a lips toy um i do remember like as soon as we see in the beginning of this movie we see like a gun on a table i like the texture of on the side of the handle of that gun really struck me because i remember uh. the toy had a similar texture on the side of the gun that's crazy. Um, but yeah, watch on a rewatch. Uh, initially, I was super in love with this movie. Uh, I love how colorful it is, how exaggerated and bold the makeup choices are because it is fucking absurd what they do with the makeup here. Yeah, um, it's, it's so much fun. The opening credits, it's a shame that the text in these opening credits is so large because it's kind of covering up this really interesting shot of uh, this like this city this really colorful city that feels like it's done with miniatures um and so yeah there's a lot of like really interesting special effects stuff here and i was really enamored with it and then as the movie continued i felt like i didn't find the story very compelling <laughs> i feel like the characters aren't really there um it's it's, it's, it's a weird one yeah it's a movie where i feel like it's not often where I'm watching something and I'm like, oh, this fell apart in the edit. Like, I can tell it fell apart in the edit. Um, but yeah, this is... It's just... It's just not quite there. It's very ambitious in the story, the writing, uh, and the characters just don't keep up with the ambition of everything else going on in this movie. Yeah, uh, that's what, pretty what spot do you, on. What do you think? Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. I, have, I don't have, like, a childhood memory attached to this movie, um, but... I find, yeah, this er this year of movies, 1990, to be really interesting because I feel like there's stuff that 
I feel like it's really appropriate and it could come out like today and would be make somewhat sense. I felt that way about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I sort of feel that way a little bit about Dick Tracy in some points. There's a, a shot towards the end of this movie where Dick Tracy, he's just unloading on people with the Tommy gun and he's yeah. like just going crazy. I think it's on lips, I think, or one of the henchmen, the various crazy, wacky henchmen in this movie. And then it's like a car explodes behind him and it's just like this fiery explosion just happening as Dick Tracy's just mowing people down. And I was just like, this feels like a fucking, like, like a DC movie or something like that. Like this feels yeah. like a movie that could totally be released in the modern day and it would and it absolutely work. But as like a time capsule, it's like one of those one of a kind weird things where like, I'm not sure exactly who this movie is for, but like, it's for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for child on, me. <laughs> yeah. On in hindsight, it like, oh, it's just like, Madonna is like really sultry and like sexy in this movie and like yeah. putting on like really intense steamy uh, uh like these Sondheim Steven Sondheim numbers or not those those aren't the steamy songs but she's she's putting on a really good performance her songs are really great every time she's in a scene with Dick Tracy it's like extremely there's like sexual tension there it's like very heavy she's but wearing yeah. like a sheer nightgown in one of the scenes you could like totally see her nipples and this movie's yeah. pg <laughs> wasn't ready wasn't ready for that i was like oh yeah. my god it's like it's probably like the first like... movie nipples i saw when i was a kid i was like madonna's kind of like distractingly hot in this movie where it's like the stuff I... that's going on. I didn't feel that way. I like the whole time I was like, I'm not digging Madonna. I, I was more into Tess. Honestly. I was going to say, yeah, like uh, thinking more of the look, I think like her look is just so distracting on screen. But every time they're having a, a conversation, it's essentially it's the same conversation every single time. It's just like, mm-hmm. Dick, why aren't you making advances on me? Why aren't, why aren't you sleeping yeah. with me right now? And But the like, third time it happens, I'm like, you guys just need to bang already because every time every time Breathless shows up in this movie, like it kind of comes to a screeching halt a little bit, at least every time she's not singing, in my opinion. But yeah, it's it's so fucking uneven because the the rogues gallery is just so entertaining and Al Pacino is just having the most fun he's uh, he's had since Scarface it's on so camera. Weird, man. <laughs> he's just doing doing something just absolutely bananas is the only way to really describe it. Just because makeup is not too exaggerated, but exaggerated enough to where it feels like yeah, just visually I feel very uncomfortable every time he's on screen. So there is a scene in this movie where, and this also ties into where I feel like it fell apart in the edit, but I'll get to that. Um, yeah. There's a scene in this movie where Al Pacino, with all of his face uh, face prosthetics, is coaching Madonna and all these other girls at like a yeah. nightclub on how to yeah. perform, and he's got like these like crazy like shoulders and like a hunchback thing going on, and. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel in the scene. Like, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to think he's a creep because he's like slapping these girls in the ass and stuff and like Hopefully, being yeah. like kind <laughs> yeah. of aggressive. But honestly, I thought it was really funny because it's fucking Al Pacino wearing all these prosthetics. And the whole time I'm like, why is this guy in this movie like coaching Madonna? Like, ah, it was really strange to me. Is he, yeah, and he's like yelling like, squeeze it, squeeze it. Like, it's just like this yeah. small, it's like he's just barking orders at them. So yeah, it's just, it's so over the top where it's like, okay, yeah. like <laughs> he <It's> is. so. <laughs> And, like, the reason I, I, I talk about why I feel like this movie kind of fell apart in the edit is because this is a scene that is an example of 
like it, it is rare where I'm watching something and I'm like, oh, this is edited poorly. Like that is the problem. Uh, yeah. So the scene of Al Pacino coaching these girls is cross cut against Dick Tracy um, interrogating Mumbles. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we get Al Pacino yelling at these girls, and it's like it goes on for quite a while, and it feels like okay, this is a good way to like start a scene because you're establishing the dynamics of like him and breathless in this club uh but it, the scene should go somewhere <laughs> like the scene yeah. should go somewhere pretty quickly but then we keep cutting back to dick tracy interrogating mumbles and he starts to make progress um eventually he gets some answers and then we cut back to the club dick tracy bursts in and you know starts questioning uh al pacino big boy caprice and it feels like we should have just had the interrogation and then we cut to Al Pacino at the club. We get a taste of his interaction with these girls. And then Dick Tracy bursts in. Yeah. But, like, there's no reason to cross-cut it. Because it's not like we're creating any tension by a cross-cutting. I don't know. It, it felt very weird to me. Yeah, I think it finds the just the contrast a little bit more fun and amusing than it actually is. Because, yeah, that's another thing about this movie is the cast of Rogues is really entertaining. It's like you have Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles doing this great just like this super like looney tunesy just like just mumble performance or he's just like mumbling incoherently against like dick tracy dick tracy just like doing this like batman thing where he's just kind of just like just tell, like just heightening the interrogation in a way where he's like offering him water and stuff and like t- kind of torturing him in a way like it's really fucking sadistic yeah, I was gonna say like I I'm not digging what Dustin Hoffman is doing here. I, I find it kind of weird that they have him with a bunch of makeup on because it the makeup doesn't feel as transformative as it is for some of these other characters. Like I, yeah, I still yeah. know it's <laughs> Dustin Hoffman under there and uh, the performance. And it's really weird that they got Dustin Hoffman to give this mumble performance. It's like <laughs> why are you getting this big actor for this thing? So I, I was looking at the trivia. There's no small parts. <laughs> and. Um, Apparently, Gilbert Gottfried was supposed to be cast as Mumbles initially, and that like they like were like uh, they had like written the part from him or something like that. But then they switched over to Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, that's really like, fascinating. I guess if you want star power, if you want the star-studded cast, then yeah, you go for Dustin Hoffman. But it's not like we're really mining his talents for this role. Yeah, I guess not. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of charming to have like I don't doesn't I don't know how big Dustin Hoffman was at that point in the 90s but I think he is pretty big and so yeah having him play this small bit henchman is really funny to me and also I think it's worth mentioning just like how long this movie was in production for and how like many different directors yeah. kind of cycle through or they're thinking about uh, Spielberg to direct it at some point or John Landis and um yeah, possibly offering the lead to like Harrison Ford and Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, and uh, Mel Martin Gibson. Martin Scorsese was like in talks to direct it at one point too. Yeah, that's like f- fucking absurd and fascinating just to think that all of these different big name directors and actors have sort of orbited around this movie as it was going towards production. And then when it finally does happen, yeah, it is like I feel like they might have been trying to do something like a Hollywood golden age kind of thing with just having just like named yeah. actors kind of just get stuffed in this Tons movie. That's why people. we get Dick Van Dyke is in this movie randomly. I couldn't tell you. Like, I think he was, uh, 
yeah, the district attorney John Fletcher is what his character is. I couldn't yeah. point him. I couldn't point him out to you if you told me to, but I don't know. They're, they're kind of just going for it like a it's a it's a Hollywood party. Everyone kind of just show up and be in this wacky fucking comic book movie. Kathy Bates is in it for like thirty seconds, and I don't even think oh. she has any lines. That's great. <laughs> that <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, James Con. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. ridiculous. But yeah, I guess I, I want to pick your brain a little bit more about just the makeup because there's some really fun stuff, especially early on when we get that first uh, p- uh, poker game with the five guys and yeah, yeah my boy, Fucking little, awesome. <laughs> my boy, little face taken out way too soon for this movie because he's I know <laughs> one of the best concepts. That guy should have been the star. Like yeah. he stole the show. He's like yes. Boba Fett <laughs> in Star Wars, where it's like I want to know more about that guy. Um, right. But right. yeah, I I was definitely like googling the. Uh, <laughs> illustrations to see like why did they do this <laughs> like yeah. what were they trying to achieve um i guess what I'm saying, pa- like... <laughs> I, I guess with al pacino like he kind of made up his character's makeup like it wasn't really inspired by the comic because i think in the comic the character is like pretty overweight or something huh, um, okay yeah but like supposedly after the makeup artist uh you know fulfilled pacino's design uh, he became like Pacino's makeup guy, like throughout the rest oh. of his career. I think. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's so good. Yeah, Dick Tracy putting people together, making careers happen. Yeah. So yeah, I was just reading on um, IMDb's trivia page that apparently there is a version of this movie that is two hours and fifteen minutes, and so huh. maybe okay. that <laughs> explains why this was a. Uh, there's something weird going on with the set yeah i I feel that yeah it does because i don't say like it drags entirely as a movie i feel like it does it does get a a little repetitive but i don't know it's having a lot of fun and like the sets the set design and the color scheme just kind of really push a lot of the stuff forward where if the scene itself isn't that fascinating or isn't you know pushing the the movie forward necessarily with a plot like i think it's always fun to look at and sort of just be in this world and it has a really it has a vibe very similar to like who framed who framed Roger Rabbit kind of where it's just this nice blend of live action and cartoon where just the the set and like just the piece of it itself is enough yeah. to kind of to keep keep going and be interested and then there's a uh, uh, gonna get into spoiler territory there's a nice little twist at the end that is, is a, you know, a pretty good twist where yeah you know Madonna showing up as the no face character <laughs> and so I don't know, yeah. it's fun it works. Um, and actually, like, it gives some, you know, value to her character a little bit more. Yeah, um, definitely. What, uh, you what did you of... think of Danielle? Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I was going to ask about the music. I, I thought it was really good. But, yeah, the music is really, really good in this movie. A lot better than what it should be. And I think, yeah, there's, you know, there's numbers by Stephen Sondheim that are, like, a lot of fun. And then, yeah, Madonna sort of doing her sultry thing a little bit in between that and yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, the score is really great, too. There's, there's, there's a lot of really fun little moments in this movie. Like, towards the end, there's, like, a, a little chase scene with, uh, like, Dick Tracy's, like, chasing down the mob, and we get Madonna singing, like, uh, over the montage. And mm-hmm. just the, the way, I think the editing there is a little, is a little bit fun. Where yeah, it's like the montage, there's, like, three montages in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're fun, but, like... Do like that made me wonder like how many montages is too many montages like are yeah, you telling yeah. your story as effectively as you can if you're have three montages? That's a good point. I think three is 
like the rule of three yeah anything more than that and it would be like okay you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing but but then it's also like maybe montages are the best way to tell your story like maybe maybe the whole first half of this movie should have been one long montage (laughs) that'd been great i'm excited to see the movie that manages to pull that off yeah i don't know because yeah like i think that sort of ties into what i was saying with like yeah like the visuals sort of do a lot of heavy lifting in this movie and so yeah there's a lot of dick tracy that could just be told through just like oh or my favorite uh uh, plot device is the newspaper headlines like the newspapers fucking (laughs) it's like how many times do we get to see a newspaper headline just succinctly wonderful though (laughs) yeah just summarize exactly what's happening it's just one line of text like it's great like you don't need to do any more work than that (laughs) it's great because it doesn't feel hokey like it feels like it should be a cheap device to like do some exposition but it's like it it's of the era it's of it feels perfect for like a comic book movie like yeah, stylistically yeah, it makes sense and, especially yeah. for this comic book movie which is drawing from like like the zoot suit kind of campy era of i don't know like i think it reminds me of like that 90s kind of zoot suit era or like referencing the, like the 40s <laughs> yeah the mask like the 40s and the 50s where it's yeah it's, it's playing on this very recent nostalgia that's not too far away but yeah, like just it's it's so silly and it it kind of it knows that. And that's why when I was watching this, I'm like, is Al Pacino in the wrong movie or is he just in the perfect movie for what he's doing? Because there's so many times where I'm just like he's going just far and beyond what everyone else is kind of doing. Well, it's like I wonder because like I know Dick Tracy was a pretty big comic book cartoon, a uh, comic book comic strip, and so I wonder if like Al Pacino when he was a kid, if he was into it. Like maybe that's that's why he signed on to something like this, um, but yeah. But going back to the idea of that, this is like this sort of nineteen forties era aesthetic, um, which like I don't even know if that's accurate. Like I'm I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> uh, sort of. But, kinda. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I would have liked the score to reflect that a little bit more because gotcha. I think there are some really good moments with that Danny Elfman ha- uh, brings to this movie like the move the music that closes out uh, as we go to the closing credits i think really works but there's a foot chase where um dick tracy is chasing al pacino's character big boy it's big boy right <laughs> big boy caprice. big boy caprice yeah uh so it's a foot chase and it feels like danny elfman is kind of just doing what he did with batman and like i feel like it, yeah i kind of wish he had tried something new you know because it was okay. only one year later. Yeah, I think I need to rewatch Batman and get a little bit more familiar because I don't think I've seen that since I was really young. Batman's solid. That was one I wasn't allowed yeah. to see when I was a kid. Ah. And then I had to watch it at a friend's house. <laughs> so Batman but is I, too subversive. <laughs> but, like, I think I think it's I was allowed to see the first one, maybe, because I know I had the toys, and I definitely had, like, the McDonald's Happy Meal Batmobile. But... I don't. Maybe it was the second one I couldn't see because the second one's fucking weird. You got penguin. Yeah. Danny yeah. DeVito has a penguin like leaking black fluid out of his mouth. And, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer giving herself a tongue bath. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, like, like imagine getting into a time machine, going back to 1990, and in the same year you could go to McDonald's, 
buy a Happy Meal, get a t- I assume a Leonardo or a Raphael <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toy, get uh, some Dick Tracy merchandise in that same year, go see Dick Tracy and Madonna's half naked in this movie. <laughs> it's like just like yeah. 1990s. <laughs> what a what a time to be alive for a yeah. PG movie. And like. Where- PG thirteen existed like like PG thirteen came out not long after Gremlin right like that's the story. I believe so. Gremlins was eighty four. Too up on it. I didn't know that it was Gremlins that made the the change happen. Um, I think it was like one of the movies because it oh yeah it came out nineteen eighty four is when PG thirteen uh became a thing and Gremlins came out in nineteen eighty four. Okay. And I think Gremlins was PG. Let me double check this. Yeah, Gremlins was PG. And so I think it was like one of those things where it's like, we really should really have some sort of, you know, rating between PG and R, because this is kind yeah. of a weird movie to let kids come to. Um, yeah, because while watching this, it's like, obviously it's like, okay, this movie, it's starring the, sorry, this movie stars Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. And it's a movie. The movie is called Dick Tracy, but it starts off with the kid, and I feel like it sort of aligns us with the the kid character from sort of the mm-hmm. beginning to end, and sort of th- through him is how we're getting a lot of this narrative information and being introduced to just his world as a detective and everything, and sort of just the, in his value system or whatever. Because you know the, the kid's all like, "Oh, I don't like dames," and he's like, "Well, this, this girl's yeah. cool. Like, she fucking <laughs> chill, chill the fuck out." I also like that. Um, I think somewhere they described his character as a street urchin. I think it was on IMDb. Yeah, or, I think I saw that too. Which I think is just a fucking great way to describe. If I'm ever in a movie, please have that be my credit as a street urchin. You want to be but a yeah. street urchin? <laughs> Either a street urchin, goon, or a henchman. That's the what I want to be in a movie. Um, but yeah, I, I just found like it was kind of weird. I was just like, I don't really know who I'm supposed to be aligning slash connecting with because i feel like it wants to be like a kids movie like where it's fun over the top makeup or these characters it's a lot of just like primary colors it's like you know going through like a a fucking plate house or something like that it's like a lot of reds and yellows and greens and shit like that but all the while yeah. it's like i don't know dick yeah. tracy's kind of doing his whole thing with madonna and it's really sexy and like He's kind of like torturing people, and I was like, it's, it's, "He's kind of being badass in this movie." It's like, like I don't like. It, it, I wasn't really sure. I mean, where I'm supposed the to land. torture is pretty light. Like <laughs> it he's is light. denying it's... person a drink of water, right? It's fucking brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's and then it's thirsty. like he's resisting Madonna, and I guess that's yeah, that's good. Like he's like stoic. Eventually, gives it o- gives over to her, which is like a problem, but. Yeah. Uh, but his character is pretty uncharismatic, like characterless. He's just a he's a yeah, he's, a, he's yeah. a kind of a scruff detective doing his job, and like the he's not like emotionally tied to the case necessarily. It's not like Batman who his parents were killed, and so that so he's got this like psychology for why he's doing what he's doing. Dick Tracy's just you know he's just a cop. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, he's just a, a cop doing his thing. I I wanted to mention that because I was like, yeah, like what exactly is Dick Tracy's like his thing? Like, what's his hook? Like, like he wears a like, yellow trench coat. That's <laughs> yes, his whole like, hook. That, like, that's it. Like, yeah. that's the entire superhero, the entire comic strip is just based on May- he wears he wears yellow. Like, that's like, pretty much it. May- I, well, because it does feel like so with the violence, uh, it's got the PG violence where there's just machine guns are firing off and you see people 
grabbing their chest and then falling over and there's no blood. And that yeah. reminded me of like old Westerns and stuff. Like people get shot. You can't really tell. They just fall over. And so I think Dick Tracy is sort of like a, a Western hero where it's like he's yeah, bringing yeah. Uh, order to a lawless land and the lawless land is the city. Um, and Good point. He's yeah. even got his cowboy hat. Uh, it's a fedora. But um, it is a fedora. Is that uh, does fedora? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. But uh, yeah, I was fedora. just gonna bring up. Yeah, I was gonna bring up. There's this moment towards the end where it's like they save. I think they save Tess or whatever his his main his main love is. They mm-hmm. save her, and then he's like stuck inside of a room that he can't get out of, and so he like does like a math problem where oh, they yeah. have like a lever and a thing. And I was just like. Well, I was like, "Where's more of this?" this is like, weird. this is like, this is like, I, like it's it's weird and, and silly, but I was like, "This is fun." Like him, him doing a math problem or just something. Yeah, just, that would have given more... him more of a hook because it's like, "Oh, he's yeah. a great logician." Like he's like, that's why he's a good detective. He's good at like figuring shit out. Like yeah, and he does it in like a absurd like uh, roadrunner wildy coyote kind of way, where it's like he has his uh, one partner jump on this uh, little teeter totter and shoot him back up, and it's just like, like yeah, it's. it's it worked for me because I was like, this is what I want. I want more over-the-top visuals just for who this guy is as opposed to kind of just a a, a noir kind of knockoff kind of character, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, besides those moments, I was like, yeah, we're missing a lot of who Dick Tracy you know, is. Yeah. I feel like they could pull off a good version of this today with, like, yeah. this as the retrospect like something you could look back on and be like, mm, we could solve some of these problems. I would hope it would be as yeah. colorful and like as intense with its art design. Um, they would probably rely on a lot of CG, unfortunately. But yeah, that's the thing. Even Wikipedia mentions this is one of the last Hollywood blockbusters that was made. I, don't, I think there might have been a citation needed on that one. But was there like uh, no CG in this? It looks like it's a lot of just like forced perspective and a lot of just like yeah. using just the sets and just tilting wood <laughs> kind of just tricking our brain into thinking or yeah like holding uh, up like a glass panes in front of the camera with like paintings on them or something like that yeah that's one thing i wanted to ask if you had any particular thoughts about that because uh, there's some really great like shots there's one where he's like uh, i think it's the second mumbles interrogation where like mumbles is like he, his entire body is fit in like on a chair on one side of the frame and the other side of the frame is just like a mm-hmm. really close up of i think uh, it's a kind of a, a brian de palma style thing yeah they do that and there's like a shot with kid like really like in the middle of the movie where it's like his entire face mm-hmm. is taking up the frame and then like the there's like the woman kind of coming in on the other side and i don't know it, I, I really like that and i think it does that really strongly and this, that's one of the strong points about this movie yeah, this the it's called a split diopter, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, split diopter. Um, yeah, it's just another tool in the uh, cinematic uh, storytelling kit, you know. And uh, it doesn't get used enough. Like it, it should be more normalized. I feel like because it always feels a little. I don't know. Whenever you see it, you're like, oh, I'm seeing something. <laughs> like I'm seeing a trick of some kind. But, yeah, uh, it could be very. Very may- easy to sort of yeah take you out of the movie. Yeah, that. maybe that's why it's avoided, but I don't know. I think it's I, I like it. Yeah, and I don't know too much about Dick Tracy as like a director. I mean, sorry, uh, Warren, Warren Beatty. Beatty as a director. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah, I've I don't really seen much else that he's done. 
I, I've seen Bonnie and Clyde, and Bonnie and Clyde's fantastic, but I think that's the only other thing. Yeah, have you seen Bullworth? No. I've heard some good things. That's another one where it's like written, directed, and stars him. Mm. Yeah. I think he's kind of a weirdo, Warren Beatty. <laughs> so, like, uh, I, I, I read... So once also on the trivia page, it's actually the first item on IMDb's trivia page. It says, Danny Elfman was hired to compose the film score because Warren Beatty was impressed with his work on Batman. On working with Beatty, Elfman has said, Warren was insane. <laughs> <And that's it. laughs> I, I believe it. I definitely believe it. And if you need more proof, do you know why there hasn't been another Dick Tracy movie? Why? Okay, so... The reason we get, like, Fantastic Four movies, like, shitty Fantastic Four movies pretty regularly, and, like, shitty Spider-Man movies pretty regularly, is because if the contracts state that if uh, the studio doesn't do something with the property after a certain amount of time, then they lose the rights. Isn't so, it 10 years? I'm not sure. I, it might vary from contract to contract, but, um, mm-hmm. but Dick Tracy, uh, Warren Beatty has not released the rights to this character because I think it was in like 2008, and this is on YouTube, you can find the video of it. In 2008, he did a, uh, I forget what it's called, something like the making of Dick Tracy or like looking back or remembering Dick Tracy. Uh, he did something with uh, where he sat down with Leonard Maltin, the film critic, and they're sitting in this dark room <laughs> and Warren Beatty is, uh, he is he is Dick Tracy. He's playing Dick Tracy in this special. <laughs> gotcha. And he's sitting down with Leonard Maltin and they're just talking about the history of Dick Tracy together. And so this is like sort of his, you know, 18 year later (laughs) sequel to Dick Tracy. (laughs) Uh, It's like this half hour Dick Tracy special. And um, Leonard Maltin even asks him, like, are you going to make a sequel or like, do you think there'll be a sequel? And and Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy says, you'd have to ask the director. Um, but it's very uncomfortable. Like I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was just like fast forwarding through it, but like, it is very strange and yeah, I don't know. That's it's weird. worth checking out. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like, yeah, the Wesley Snipes <laughs> bleeding into the blade role, <laughs> like mid interview. Like... So yeah, so he still has the rights to this character. Um, that's a trip. Yeah. There's also a mention on the Wikipedia page uh, about, he almost uh, casted the actress uh, Sean Young to play oh, Tess yeah. Trueheart, but then he was sort of making advances on her, which is not cool. Not cool. WB, not cool Warren Beatty. Yeah. Uh, so know. it's just called Dick Tracy Special, by the way. Yeah, you can find okay. it on YouTube. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah Sean Young, in- her career, yeah, it kind of fell apart. And, like, I always wonder, like, what happened if it was... Because I know she made she like there were allegations against Warren Beatty but it's like I've also heard she was really difficult to work with and like I've also heard that like she might have had a mental health crisis and so it's like so yeah I always wonder like what is the true story was she like a whistleblower who got like blacklisted or like have people been you know bad mouthing her like or did she just seriously have some sort of crisis yeah yeah something to look into that's true that's tricky um Anything else on Dick Tracy? I think that might be it. All right. What have you been watching lately, Thomas? Um, saw me and my dad saw No Time to Die last night. He's like, it's a really funny thing going on 
I came back and the first thing I was like, Dad, I'm going to go see Dune. And he's like, yeah, I saw the one from the 80s and it wasn't very good. I was like, well, just don't just ignore that good. one. <laughs> just disregard that one and just watch this new one. He's like, yeah, I don't know. And so we came up with this deal where he's like, I want to see James Bond. So I was like, fine, like, I'll go see James Bond with you if you go see Dune with me. So we're going to go see Dune at some point. But yeah, we watched it last night and I was uh, kind of surprised upon second viewing because usually... I don't. Second time you've seen it? (laughs) Yes, I saw it in Korea just (laughs) because I needed shit to do in Korea and really wanted to see it also. But yeah, I was like, usually I wouldn't go back and see another like big blockbuster movie in theaters Mm -hmm. unless I was really drawn to it like Dune. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I was surprised about how well paced it was and how like that movie, like it pushes three hours, but it didn't really feel like it was that long of a movie. But I just wanted to bring up the, uh, the a comment that my dad made when we came out, and he was like, "Yeah, it's like he kind of went a little James Bond, kind of went a little crazy, like a uh, like John Wick does in John Wick too." Yeah. And I was like, "That's like not really." And that comparison didn't really feel uh, very apt to me because I was like, John Wick two is like one of a kind. Like he's he's like a, a fucking just rampaging and just stabbing people in the face. Yeah, in the movie. Like he's doing just insane shit, and he's like a robot. Uh, yeah, and No Time to Die is like kind of like that Western thing you just mentioned, where it's like, you know, someone gets shot with the assault rifle and it's uh, curl over like like halfway across mm-hmm. the screen or you know, something like that. So the violence is really not a big part of that movie. So I just thought it was funny he made that comparison because I was like, yeah, like, I don't know, but maybe you're just getting a little older, seeing violence differently. But yeah, we enjoyed that. Um, I also want to shout out the show insecure i don't know why i'm struggling Mm. with this yeah uh so the show insecure is in its final season right now uh i've really enjoyed this show uh Issa ray i think it's a really really fuck fucking funny show but also a really realistic show about just like depicting what it's like to be a young black person in their 20s 30s trying to figure out life and figure out the whole dating thing and the fans of the show are really passionate about just the relationships and the, you know kind of who who did what who's justified and whatever they're doing and so I, I find like the yeah the fans of the show are really funny but yeah there's all sort of collectively dissatisfied a little bit with the way that the show is sort of wrapping up too quickly and one of the things that has been mentioned throughout the show's run is that like a lot of the fans we want like hour long episodes because they feel like thirty minutes is really like quite okay. long enough. Yeah, and I, I've actually I've never really felt that way about Insecure, but that's one thing that Ted Lasso actually started doing in his second season, where mm-hmm. most of those episodes are thirty minutes, but then so, like midway through season two, it's like they start going from thirty to thirty five to forty to like forty five. Huh, it's like progressively just get longer. And I, I think that's an interesting thing about this whole streaming era. Is yeah, that there's no you're given like, the flexibility. Yeah, yeah, there's no hard limit on like what your episodes can be. So I was like, feel like yeah, maybe Insecure could have stepped up to the bat a little bit and been like, okay, look, yes, let us get these longer episodes if we're gonna be wrapping up this tv show and there's yeah. so many different characters and things like that so it's cu- it's concluding yeah final season okay. it's uh kind of very very sad i think the way that the, the direction that they're going is relationships that we wanted to happen aren't going to happen and some people are gonna be walking away dissatisfied but i think what the biggest thing i want to bring up was yeah like the episode length thing and that seems to be sometimes a polarizing thing with a lot of yeah, viewers. yeah i have a hard time with anything over a half hour 
Okay, I feel that because I am really against. Well, not against, but it's hard for me to get into these hour-long dramas because yeah. there's there's so many. If it's like a a TV show of note or you know there's something that's big and that you've heard of, odds are it's going to be an hour-long show. And yeah. odds are it's going to be at least five to ten episodes. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't like, want to fucking watch a, all that. <laughs> like, it's a big investment. It's a really big investment. Like this is days. why I'm a movie person. It's like I want a beginning, yeah. a middle, and an end, <laughs> like in one yeah. sitting. Yeah, that's why it was making it was a trip to sort of think about this all sort of wrapping back around to No Time to Die because yeah, No Time to Die it's like right, but it's like just right below being three hours long, mm. but it doesn't feel like that long of a movie. And even and Dune a, is two. Yeah, two that's and a, a half. blockbuster thing now too. It's yeah. like these movies got to be events and they got to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth and you're really seeing like everything that they put on the table. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I need to talk to some people at the local Martinez Theater. I think the projector is too dark. Hmm. And so when I was watching Eternals, I was like, something doesn't feel quite right. Because, like, I'll see the trailer on TV, but the trailer will be super, super bright on TV. But I was like, maybe that's just TV. Maybe that's just online. But, yeah, Eternals, I was like, this feels a little too dark. But then seeing No Time to Die, and I was like, I've seen this in another theater. And I was like, I can't see some faces, and it's fucking bothering me. So, Martinez Stadium Cinemas, Thomas Churchill, he's coming for you. Be prepared. Um, (laughs) Strongly worded email is headed your way. I saw Dune at Grand Lake, and I really wish I would have seen it in Dolby because the there's some dark scenes in that movie and it just kind of looks gray or like a little washed out and Mm -hmm. it's like i know if i were to see this in dolby those blacks would be black like yeah yeah like i want that contrast you know because it looked like i came home afterwards and i watched it on hbo and i was like yeah this looks like this is how it should look (laughs) like but the screen is smaller (laughs) yeah and it's weird because i don't know if i had the confidence to really back up my opinion in that Mm -hmm. moment where i was like this is their job. It's like to literally project movies all day. They get the the specs or whatever in the film. Like, I don't know how they do yeah. it, but they get told the proper way to do it. So who is this asshole who comes in? Like, oh, I watch 200 movies a year. I think I know what I'm talking about. But like, I don't know. Like, well, I, it, I was just like, it feels a little dark. I've heard that. And I don't know if this is true. It's just like some random shit I read online. Um that like if they're also screening 3d movies in there like because 3d movies are a little darker that like somehow they don't alter the settings for when they're doing a 2d movie or something i don't know i don't know but that seems like to me that it would be brighter because the glasses are what's cutting out to the light for the 3d movie so yeah but like if they're to compensate yeah i don't know (laughs) gotta we need a vague zone investigation yeah we need a projectionist to write in um yeah what have you been watching this week i saw french dispatch a few nights ago um wes anderson's new movie i really really enjoyed it um i after immediately after the movie we were listening to uh some reviewers talk about it and they were saying that it was very convoluted and you know difficult to follow and i don't know what the fuck they're talking about because it felt like a Mm -hmm. very straightforward movie to me um the format is basically an anthology movie. Like if you've ever, if you've ever seen creep show, you know, (laughs) like what the format is. Uh, it's just, instead of a horror comic book, it's a newspaper. And, um, yeah, it's so yeah, you have this framing story, which is, um, 
about i guess it's not a newspaper it's a magazine um this mm. magazine the french dispatch uh it's editor-in-chief has died and so it talks about like how he defended his writers and you know he really loved his writers and then we cut to some of the stories some of the articles that his writers have written oh cool so we get like a a prelude with owen wilson where he's talking about the city that uh, these stories take place in and then we get three stories each focused on you know from the perspective of a different writer on different subject matter um and i was thinking it would become complicated that these like characters would start in- becoming intertwined or something like that but it's not that kind of movie um the movie's really just about like it's an appreciation for writers it's an appreciation for artists um and it's just all done in that wes anderson style where he's playing with you know these really flat compositions um and intro- playing with stuff like um stop motion animation and 2d animation this is the first time i've seen him incorporate 2d animation in his stuff um he's playing with black and white and color um most of the movie takes place or 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 happens within this um sort of four three aspect ratio i don't know if that's the exact measurements but it is like this square aspect ratio and i don't really know why so so like when the movie starts we get a larger aspect ratio like just with like the title and like the credits i feel like and then the rest (laughs) of it is square and so the whole time i'm thinking like as someone who has worked in like streaming i'm like this is gonna be fucking annoying for (laughs) streaming services (laughs) because everyone's gonna think why is it being cropped to a square when there's all these pixels that aren't being used because they were only used within the first like five seconds and during the credits at the end um just like the wider the wider frame um but yeah so so that was my like shitty industry gripe is like just commit to the four three the whole thing just commit to the square for the whole thing please (laughs) just i'm begging you as like someone who works you know with like video processing and shit but um (laughs) but yeah it's it's really good um all three stories are really good uh benicio del toro is really good in this movie sometimes i feel like he can make decisions that are kind of annoying but uh you know he's solid here uh jeffrey wright in the final story i feel like he's he brings a different energy to the table than um you know what wes anderson is usually working with and it was nice to feel that energy uh especially you know towards the end of this movie because it's nice to change things up a little bit and i think it's probably one of my favorite jeffrey wright performances granted i haven't seen him in a ton of things but um but yeah french dispatch is great like sweet the the middle the middle story is uh kevin saw it and he he, kevin saw this movie and he said one of the three stories was annoying and i figure he's talking about the middle story but that's because it's about young activists and um timothy chalamet he's like uh he's writing a manifesto and he wants to bring some poeticism to the manifesto so anytime Uh. he's doing a voiceover he's sort of doing it in this like poetic way and i feel like it's intentionally a little hokey intentionally a little bad because it's kind of poking fun at like the poeticism of this character um i could see how that would be annoying but like i don't know you you gotta roll with it so but yeah really good movie solid yeah i'm I'm definitely not one of those people yeah. that just wants to poke fun and rag on Timothy Chalamet just for who he is <laughs> as a person. But, um, yeah, uh, he, he really impressed me with Dune. And so, like, I haven't seen anything else that he's been in, so I'm going to be, like, 
go easy mm-hmm. on him until I see more stuff. But but yeah, he does seem like one of those actors where he could be like, okay, like do do something kind of lofty and or you know or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. One of the things that's funny is in Dune, one of the only jokes we get is uh, Jason Momoa making fun of Timothy Chalamet's muscles. Yes. In this movie. Timothy Chalamet's muscles are also a joke. <laughs> so, just not a good year for Timothy Chalamet's muscles, I guess. It's a good year for his fucking wallet. <laughs> yeah, fuck, dude. French Dispatch yep. and Dune. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how good French Dispatch was for his wallet. Um, True. But, but, yeah, I don't know. He's on, he's, he's on the up and up. He's on the ups and ups yeah. right now. Looking forward to yeah, more stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he brings back his YouTube channel where he's yeah, painting Xbox, Xbox 360 <laughs> controllers. Oh, not reviewing controllers. He's painting Xbox controllers. Yeah. 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 Real, real dope. Dope stuff. Get back Gotta to what matters, Tim. Yeah. Oh, isn't Interstellar? Huh. Didn't know that. Wait, he, he's an Interstellar? Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, no. Yeah. He plays a young, plays young Casey Affleck. So it's like Casey Affleck's character. So he's like the young version. Well, I had no idea. Movies, man, crazy. It's all it's all connected. How all small these small world movies? Yeah, <laughs> a small world. Yeah, it's like I was watching Twister randomly while getting my hair retwisted, and it was like an uh, actor from that movie showed up randomly. I, it wasn't Dick Tracy. Was another movie we've watched recently, and it's just like yeah, these actors just popping up from in one movie and being in something else. And it, it always it always is kind of fun to just play that kind of like who's who kind of game. To the who's who in the movie world. Yeah. Wow, weird. I'm looking at so pictures returning... of from Interstellar. <laughs> so are, are we returning with the secret of the ooze? Yeah, let's do it. I think that wraps it up for episode 60 of Vague Zone. So we will be returning next week with the 1991 martial arts superhero comedy film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze. Okay, so yeah, it's been episode 60 of Vague Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions, you could tweet at us, at Vague Zone on the Twitter. If you have, you know, any movie franchises you would like us to watch, let us know, and we'll consider them. So we'll be back with The Secret of the Ooze next week. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll see you on the next one. All right, peace.